Hi, and welcome to the Brisk podcast series, Embrace, a podcast for survivors by survivors about sex and intimacy. This podcast is a six-part series, and you are listening to episode three, which is titled Resilient Edge of Resistance. Each podcast has a main conversational component and an accompanying practice where we take 10 to 15 minutes to learn a somatic practice that enables us to embody the concepts covered in our discussions. These processes were designed to be practiced alone, but they can be explored with a partner or in a group. Each topic is broken into two separate episodes so that you can revisit the practice as often as desired. As always, we would like to centre each episode by acknowledging country. Brisk is situated on Yagara and Turrbal country in Mianjin, or Brisbane. Brisk pays respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders past, present and emerging. Sovereignty over this land was never ceded, and we acknowledge the role that sexual violence played in the invasion and colonisation of this land. We acknowledge the role that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders play in ending gendered and sexual violence. We recognise the role that Indigenous ways of being, knowing and doing centre both healing and justice. We hope that you enjoy this series. Hi everyone, it's Susan here and I'm here today with Anna and Jen for our next podcast and we're talking about the resilient edge of resistance. So, hi Anna. Hi, I'm Anna. Hi, Jen. Hi, and I'm Jen. <laughs> so we're here in the studio together just to have a conversation about this whole idea of Resilient Edge and how it's been useful, um, what we've learnt in playing with it and exploring it. It's a, it's a term we used in the Embrace um, group, so the group we ran for survivors of sexual violence around sex and intimacy. And... It's a term that um, I learned as a sexological body worker through my training and it was first coined by Chester Maynard and it was a way that they taught and brought awareness and consciousness to the way that we touch. So it was taught as a more of a massage kind of technique so that um, sometimes when we get a massage or we're touched that it can feel a bit too tentative a bit too soft and irritating and that's really hard space to to be in and then the contrast of massage that's really too hard and heavy-handed and and really uncomfortable to stay in and then massage that where it's just in the right spot where it feels really useful it feels really good and so he Chester Maynard talked about the resilient edge of resistance as that place where it just feels right it feels useful we can feel the pressure and the tension of the touch but we can stay in it so we started playing with this whole idea of resilient edge of resistance in the embrace group as a way to also approach and be in other edges, how we, as a tool that we could use to kind of navigate that space of when we're on an edge, so when we're feeling challenged or something's really difficult, um, we could use this kind of approach that's not too comfortable, that we don't feel or learn or grow grow in any way, but it's not overwhelming. So it's a place that we feel really supported enough 
to take a risk and um, stay on that edge and get the growth and learning that comes when we step out of comfort into um, edgy places that aren't so comfortable. I think the interesting thing I noticed was that I didn't have a language for it. So I, I knew that there was something that happened to me where I'd reach a point where I was uncomfortable but didn't know that that was – I could change it and didn't know – like I used to just jump through that mm-hmm. thinking that was the only way to um, try and change. So it really helped me to have language around it and to know it was an actual thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and I think that description of it in terms of massage – makes you realise how much it's the body in different contexts. Like it doesn't matter whether it's a um, a response to a particular situation that you're being put in or just an actual physical sensation. Mm. Yeah, so knowing that there's this space in between staying in a really familiar space there's a space in between there and being totally overwhelmed. That's really useful. Yeah. Want to grow and learn and and push on an edge. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So before we get into more of the conversation, maybe I'll just um, talk people through a, a, a way of just getting a bit more fuller understanding of what we mean by a resilient edge and the way I usually do this in person, so I'm going to have a go at doing it, um, trying to explain it without um, you being able to see me. But what we did in the group is we got a blanket and we folded it um, and put it on the floor. And we said that folded blanket was, if that represented our resilient edge of resistance. And we stood over one side of the blanket and identified that that, that was the place where that's a familiar place. That that can be a place where we're in habit. Um, we we feel quite comfortable there. It's an important place to know because it's that place of restoration and rest. But we're not putting pushing any edges in that place. Like we're pretty comfortable to just stay there. And then we kind of stood, we jumped over the other side of the blanket, so not on the blanket at all, and over the other side, and we talked about that as being the place of overwhelm. It's the place where we push right past our resilience into a place where it's just overwhelming and it's really difficult to navigate that space. All we do is learn to kind of survive or we tolerate it. or And if we keep going, we head into further trauma. So we found that the place of resilience is where we feel some level of discomfort, but we are resilient. So we can stay in it, um, we can be in our, in our process, we can step onto an edge in a way that we're not overwhelmed, but we're not totally comfortable. And that for us was the place where we could learn and grow the most. And that's the place we could really um, lean in to the challenging parts of um, our process. So, and we also learned that in stepping onto that edge, sometimes it can be really scary initially. Sometimes we might just dip our toe in. Sometimes we might want to push all the way to the 
the extremes of that edge. It just depends because it's a changing place and it's different in different situations. But knowing that there is a place and often being able to just find that place and pause can be really useful part of the process. Yeah. So how is it, how does that sound? Does, how does that sound to you both? That's good. I don't remember if it was in the group that you actually described it as mm -hmm. um, with the blanket as like it was almost like a riverbank or whether I just visualised uh -huh. that myself because I remember thinking it's almost like you can't see the, you know, when there's a really dark body of water that you can't see whether it's actually shallow and you're going to be able to walk mm -hmm. in slowly or whether you're going to step off that bank and just drop, you mm -hmm. know, it's going to um, be really deep. And I just remember thinking, having that sense that you could, that that could change, that that blanket almost ex can mm. s extend out and you can kind of, and I guess that idea of dipping your toe in as well, I think of water a lot yep. when um, that you can, you don't have to go all in. You can, you know, when you're walking into water and, if, if it's cold, you feel that first mm -hmm. bit and then you're mm -hmm. like, oh, I'll just stay here and then you can go a little bit further and the, uh -huh. and then your body almost adjusts to that. Um, but that's what I, that's the kind of visuals I had when we had that physical um, blanket or mm -hmm. um, edge barrier in front of us. Yeah. Yeah, I love that analogy. Like it's how deep do you want to go? Yeah. And I love what you're saying, Anna, around um, slowing down so that you can actually notice how deep you want to go. So yeah. part of going into edges is being able to slow down enough to notice what's useful and when it's no longer useful. Yeah. 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 What are your thoughts, yeah. Jen? I think I had a similar sort of um, understanding of it, like when we had a visual representation of it. Maybe not the water, but um, I definitely thought about like the blanket sort of over time widening, as in the more you practice, that the more I felt that um, you had more time to actually think about what you were feeling. So when you're sort of in that comfortable spot, everything's fine. But like you said, there isn't any growth. You just stay the same, mm -hmm. sort of stagnate. And then... Um, when you realise that you're sort of pushing up against some sort of edge that you've got or some trigger or something, then I felt that giving it that language and, and representing it as a blanket made it seem more like, oh, I can actually give this some time and it sort of widens that blanket or that, mm. you know, that, that space that you're putting before you're going to go into trauma or before you're going to feel like this is just too much. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I thought it was really helpful to have a visual representation of that because you can keep it in your head where you're thinking oh, I'm just in that middle zone at the moment I'm just sort of giving it some time I'm just thinking how am I feeling how um you know do I want to do this do I want to retreat back so mm. it just sort of to me gave it time and I felt like I said if you practice more it gave it more time aha uh -huh. yeah yeah, that's the thing with a lot of these processes is the more you practice, your, your window of tolerance for stepping mm. in grows. Yeah, so at first that dipping your toe in can be enough and, and, and knowing that that's really useful and that's really purposeful. You don't have to, you know, barge on in to get 
change or regret that we learned. Yeah. So how have you both um, used this tool in your lives? Has it been something that you've been able to take and apply in other areas? I I don't know about other areas. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I know that um, obviously the group was about um, intimacy and sex and I feel like it's been, to me, like life-changing really, even though I still feel like I'm at the beginning of that journey, but already it feels totally different and it's given me um, just a tool that I didn't even know existed and I feel that... Yeah, before, you know, like I've been to lots of counselling and just felt like the way forward was just left with me, mental, total mental will. Just, okay, you know, if I'm having sex, then there's lots of things that make me feel very uncomfortable, make me feel um, really stressed. And before it would just be, oh, you know, if I cry or just totally shut down, then I just felt like, the only way to get better is just to sort of ignore that, mm. ignore that, and I will just eventually, over time, get better. And that didn't work at all. Mm-hmm. And really, I had no other, you know, tools and no other way of knowing how to get better. And so when I, like, when we first talked about this, it just really made sense, and it just really it was like. Of course, that is what's happening. Of course, I'm going from feeling a little bit stressed to, to me, very quickly into it's overwhelming mm-hmm. and not knowing how to bridge that gap to, like you said, having that visual representation of there. It actually is a gap in between there where you can um, sort of honour that by actually thinking about it and thinking, yeah. what am I feeling? And it just even though really it's only a few seconds going by sometimes, it's given some time to think, am I feeling stressed? Yes, I am. You know, and what, what actually is happening? And um, so for me, like I said, even though it's the beginning, I think it's given me even just some chance to like use my voice, mm-hmm. maybe just a one word, you know, mm-hmm. stop. And and that's been so huge yeah. and um, just given me a chance to even see that there's potential to get better because before it was just sheer willpower. That doesn't do anything. Mm. Keeping it totally in my own head. Um, This actually, to me, has worked in the sense of I've got heaps more things to still, you know, there's loads of edges and and, um, areas to improve on, but now I can see that they can be improved on. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it sounds like it was a way for you to begin to notice and pause and be able to stay with something rather than either just push through or disengage. Yeah, because before I think there's a feeling of, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that person that cries and doesn't know why they're crying Mm -hmm. or just totally clams up, can't say anything. And my husband's there saying, you know, are you okay? And I can't even respond. I don't want to be that person. So actually just kind of ignore it or don't give it any attention because you sort of feel like, well, if I ignore it, it will go away. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't at all. It just builds up and builds up and builds up. And so this was just a total change of um, my thinking pattern and realising that um, if you actually lean in, like you said, and you 
give it the attention and then you actually can heal it. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like any physical wound or something. Like if you just ignore it, it is not going to get better yeah. and you wouldn't do that. But on these things that I felt were totally hardwired into me and that this is just my life and this is just how I am. Actually, if you do the opposite of what I was doing, which was recoiling from them and wishing I wasn't that person, if you lean in mm. and think, what is it? What what actually is it that's making me feel that way? And it could be something really simple, actually, mm-hmm. that I could have some way of changing, like, oh, I, I don't know, just the position we're in or the lighting or something really yeah. minor, but before it just went straight from I don't feel good to trauma really just I don't know how to deal with that and how to respond to now having just a little bit of time to think you know what it's actually just Mm. that my husband's you know in a a position that I don't like or something pretty simple that actually can be just Mm. fixed and then Mm. it sounds like an important part of that process was also being able to find your voice so noticing when you're on the edge and pausing and and just giving yourself some space enough to notice what you need and then being able to ask for it so that that pause stop notice and then being able to ask for what you definitely still getting there but yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yes because like I said I think sometimes it's just a one word utterance but I feel afterwards <gasps> it's just so proud and really happy of myself mm. because before I didn't feel able to do that at all so yeah I do I think that it's just given time and and you just know that you can go back anyway you could just say you know I'm going back like stop or something and then you don't go back and push on that edge again you just go back to where you yeah. know it's safe whereas you've already crept forward a little bit into yeah. that space so the next time you're a little bit further in and, and the tolerance builds and so you just think I'm a little bit braver the next time or I know I've already said that word last time so maybe I could say two words yeah maybe I could you know build that up so yeah little progressive steps yeah and Jen was it something that you did you share with your husband this is what I'm doing this is my process um yes I probably didn't use those words but I, I definitely talked about sort of that visual representation of it you know that um and what I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. as in, because when I'm not in a situation, like if we're not having sex or we're not intimate in any way, you know, we're just sitting talking, I find it much easier to talk. So I was able to talk to him about, you know, that sometimes, you know, if I, in the past, if I've just cried and then he will ask me, you know, what's wrong? Have I done something wrong? I haven't responded in any way. And so then he's sort of left with thinking, maybe he has done something wrong. In reality, I'm thinking in my head, no, you haven't done anything wrong. No, everything was fine. I just mm. didn't feel good. So then I've been able to talk to him and say, that's usually what I'm thinking. And so now I'm just going to try and just pause. So if I just pause so that he's aware of what mm. was happening and, and that's been really good too, because um, even if I haven't had my voice, I can sometimes just put my hands up just as in, yeah. just give me a minute or a second or something. And that's, worked well too so fantastic it sounds like you've just moved into a different space from that freeze response and shut down it seems really like if I say it out loud it seems a bit minor but to me it just seems monumental yeah just a huge shift Mm. and and the fact that there is possibility yeah it is a huge shift yeah and I think feeling like you have some control over that again too like I think it can be that real feeling of this is just me and that 
that's that's going to be the way that it is and you know trying to make everything easy for everyone else almost and for them to understand that this is not about you this is not whatever mm-hmm. this is just me or who I am I mean I know um, for me not only have I not wanted to have sex with anyone but I even have found it really difficult to tolerate touch in any way and it's become almost a bit of a joke between me and the people like just even friends and things we talk about how I'm not a hugger and and I'm not I've just got touch issues um, because that became the way that I could I guess um, yeah deal with something that I I knew wasn't normal like I knew it wasn't quite right but Mm -hmm. thought it was just going to be the way that I was and I think the thing about having this tool made me realise that actually it is something that can change and it almost makes it a bit exciting to go, okay, like this is where I'm at now and it might be that first I've got to be able to tolerate my own touch. I mean, even just becoming used to the feeling of me, you know, touching my own body and feeling my like feeling the touch through your fingers but also through whatever Mm. the body part like that there's that two-way kind of communication I think I just completely shut off from that and was trying to not listen to what my body was kind of communicating back um and yeah I think it's it's been a process in terms Mm. of trying it in other areas but like you were saying it is something that you can apply it it doesn't have to be with another person it doesn't have to be in a um, particular context it can be start really simple Mm. and um, yeah it becomes something that is feels like you can be curious about where the edges are rather than um feeling like there's no hope I guess yep yeah Yeah. I love what you said Anna that around it a big part of this is connecting in with your body's experience so what what are you noticing so it doesn't come from a headspace of I should I should be pushing this edge I should be better I should be over there like that really yeah I think I thought that was the only way Mm -hmm. like I really used to tell myself even when I was with another person that the way I was trying to be was the right way and what would be expected of a woman in her late 20s, 30s. Um, and there's expectations around that and what you should be able to do. And mm-hmm. I think particularly on women to um, be able to perform in a particular way mm-hmm. um, and it just didn't work like I couldn't do it I just kept telling myself and I remember saying to someone at one point oh maybe I just need to get a bit drunk and then I'll be fine and Mm. thankfully he was um a good enough person to say no that is not what I want to do like I it shouldn't be like that and so but this was the first time like same thing that Jen said I've had years of therapy and um, lots of different 
I've talked it to death, but mm. nothing had given me that sense of the importance of the body, I think, mm. and that if you work with that, it's actually quite different to working with your mind. Mm. How is it different for you, Anna, working with your body? I think because you get a sense of where you are in the process. So with your, I think in my mind, I mean, I'm a very intellectual person. So I think a lot and try to analyze things and try to predict things so that I can manage the risk ahead of time and all that sort of thing. But in your body, I feel like you get um, more information, like more, you get the kind of feedback along as you progress through the different stages um, and can tune in to um, what's a little bit, you know, like right now I can feel that my fingers are cold and that my um, mm. legs like are in that mode of, oh, God, what are we doing? I'm a bit nervous. and yep. But it's a, it's a um, kind of helpful feel. Like I can feel that it's nerves in a way that you can work with rather than nerves in a way of I need to be out of the situation. So I guess mm. you start to know. And I think I really took a lot from, um, I can't remember where I read it, but about the way that your body can react in similar ways when you're excited about something to when you're fearful of something. Mm. And that if you notice, you can start to think, okay, what is what is this feeling? Is it... Mm is it actually fear? No, I'm actually safe and I'm making choices here and this is what I want to do and um, that can help to just, I guess, understand and, um, yeah, work with what the feelings are telling you. Yeah. It sounds like it's, it's that you've tapped into this really great resource in your body it's, that gives you a whole lot more information that you can navigate your edges, yeah. it's not just yeah. from a headspace. It's what what's going on in my body and, and you become familiar with that enough to be able to trust that and know, well, this is what it feels like when I'm on my edge and if I keep going. I mean, how do you know when you're starting to edge towards that place that it's not useful, that it's going into overwhelm? How do you know? It's tricky. I think I I don't know that I've yet mastered the... Um, like I feel like I'm quite conscious of the good working space. So like when, once I'm in a space of this is a bit uncomfortable but in a helpful way, I feel like I've been able to notice that and that that's grown as a result. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know that I'm terribly good at still picking up before I tip over into overwhelm because I often find I notice – after the event. Mm -hmm. So I've then gone, oh, I, I kind of pushed too far and now then I crash. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's a constant practice, mm -hmm. you know, like it's something that, um, I don't know, do you ever master it? You've probably been working with this I'd, a lot longer. Well, I'd, yeah, I do the same thing. Like I, because it, it's different contexts and so, yeah, it's constant learning and constant pr 
practice. But yeah, I do the same thing. A tip sometimes go too far and then I come back. But I do, I think what's been helpful for me too is to know my pattern. So my pattern is typically I jump in the deep end really quickly. Yeah, so I'll go into that and and I never used to see it as overwhelmed, but it is overwhelmed. So I'll dive in really deeply and then I'll realise I'm there. Then I've got to go all the way back to that place of rest and navigate from there. So as I've grown my awareness and practised, I'm learning to slow down enough to change that patterning. Mm. Yeah. So I think it's really useful to know what is your pattern? What do you typically do? Do you kind of tend to stay back or do you jump right in? How do you approach edges? I think that um, generally I would be in a fairly safe spot Mm -hmm. um, unless I'm really feeling, um, you know, like my well-being, you know, that I'm really feeling okay just in general in my life. Otherwise I would would say for myself I tend to stay fairly safe. Mm -hmm. But um, I feel like that safe zone has built because of this. Um, you know, pr- pushing on that sort of edge because you've just, um, yeah, become okay with things that be- previously you were not okay with. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, the safe area has changed where it, where it was. But um, I like to think that I'm getting towards the point where I can tell a bit more when I really don't want to, I really do want to stay in a safe mm-hmm. space, you know, with sex because... And, and without really having to justify that, just mm. as in I'm not feeling that right now. And that's also about that sort of knowing, you know, knowing yourself and knowing mm. because I think before, like, like you were talking about, Anna, you know, just some expectations about what women do when they're having sex and what is expected and what mm. you have a thought in your mind about what normal people do. And that's changed so in a positive way that you mm. can think more well, this is me and this is today and this is what I feel like doing and what I don't feel like doing and mm. that's a really positive thing too. Yes. Um, when you say safe, Jen, you're meaning that place where you're not challenged. Yes. That's a familiar – because we can step onto edges and it still be safe. Oh, yeah. I, I think I'm talking more about that it's just the area where, yeah, I'm not challenging yep. myself. I think that would be my default. Yep. position mm-hmm. and I really feel that other things in my life need to be going fairly well for me to then think oh I'm ready to then step forward again and, mm-hmm. and push because you know there's just all sorts of factors in life where you're feeling stressed out and I don't I don't want another place yeah. in my life where I want to you know be challenging myself so um that's a funny yeah. thing though because I also like I really resonate and think I can't do this I can't um like there's no point in challenging myself here if the rest of my life's out of control you know like it feels like everything but then I started to really realize that by working with this part it was actually helping other parts of my life because Mm -hmm. It was like, I think that idea that we need, it's a human need for touch and for connection and things is true. And so then 
I was really missing out on that by being so resistant. So by finding ways to, you know, for me initially, I've never had a massage still to this day, but um, I ended up having a back injury that forced me into a physio situation. And initially it was um, a matter of learning to have her touching my body and my body was very reactive and she was saying it was actually really amazing that she had the knowledge to kind of say it's not going to help um, if your body's so reactive if I continue to treat you because it's actually your muscles and, you know everything's going to hang on um, and so then by actually addressing some of that and just little bit by bit becoming more um yeah moving that edge and moving creating a bigger window of tolerance Mm -hmm. it's meant that so many parts of my life are um changing as a result of that like even just really being conscious when I'm hugging my kids and when I'm sitting with them and you know having people in my physical space like at work and when I have people just come and sit next to me if I can sit there and instead of telling myself you should be fine with this you should this is a normal thing you should be okay with the um, kids lying on you sitting on you whatever Um, but rather than thinking like that actually going you are okay You, you whatever your body's telling you is just kind of information and if you breathe here and just concentrate on the feeling, on the um, actual, yeah, feeling against your skin or whatever it is that's happening, um, then that settles and changes. And so it's meant that lots of different areas can kind of grow at the same time. I think one of my risks is falling into thinking that everything else needs to be okay before I tend to my stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting. I really hadn't thought about that because I feel mm. like it's hard work. Mm, like this okay. is hard work for me and it's something that I um if you know when I choose to do it that it is a proper choice, you know, that I'm making because it is it's hard and mm. it because it's challenging, but you know that it's good challenging. So, but afterwards, you know, you feel really great, but it's not something yet anyway that I do mm. easily. I feel like it's a difficult thing. So that's interesting. Yeah, it takes, I think it like it takes energy, mm. but then it can also give energy yeah. back. Mm. <laughs> so it definitely does. Yeah. yeah. It's the more, uh, yeah, yeah. I, and I think just once you feel that and experience that multiple times, then you start to get into a kind of rhythm of going, oh, yeah, um, yeah, this is going to feel like I have to consciously choose. But almost in a way I feel like now it becomes actually my body reminds me before I even need to think that this is a choice. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of I get the sensations and go, oh, that's funny, like I'm leaning away while this person sits next to me and that's because I'm feeling, you know, like are they too close and are mm. they? And so it just 
I, f- I mean, I suppose, yeah, it's different, very different if it involves a partner where it almost does have to be s- um, not scheduled, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like they have to also be involved. <laughs> like that's a, um, a specific example. But I think if, yeah, there's probably other edges that come up all mm. the time that can be just worked with as it sounds like that that it takes a lot of energy to resist it and stay in that place of not working with it and when you step into it and start to work with edges and notice and your awareness is giving you choice Mm. in that space yeah 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 actually I I do think it takes a lot of um, energy it's funny like because I think that real overwhelm can come from either way it can come from the resistance and how much you're putting into avoiding those feelings and those um or it can be from pushing over the edge into overwhelm yeah when you started playing with this as a tool what were the biggest challenges would you say and well I think what Anna said before about how, you know, like if you're touching yourself and then um, becoming aware of like both parts as in your hand touching yourself and the body part feeling it, I feel like that's so foreign and I didn't realise that was so foreign that, yeah, it's like learning another language or something because not only um, when you're sort of stopping to notice um, why you're feeling uncomfortable or or whatever that you're I'm thinking also about yeah what is it what's making me uncomfortable maybe it's something that I don't like but then there's this other part of it that's maybe do I like any of this and just sort of even having that thought I didn't really think that it mattered or I I knew it mattered but I've never really thought about it Mm. what do I like I don't know I really don't know and so that's been a bit of a um challenge for my own thinking because I guess I didn't really like to think of myself in a sexual way really at all because that's how I was thought of or that's I don't know that seemed like something that got me in a lot of trouble or or Mm -hmm. got me into situations where you know terrible things happen so that's been really challenging to Mm -hmm. actually think because your partner wants to do things that make you feel good and I feel like I have no data to give you. I have uh-huh. nothing to tell you. Does that feel nice? I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know because I need to push on that edge as well for the good things as well, I think. I need to think, challenge myself to actually feel that. Mm. I feel like there's a lot of, I don't know how that happens with your body, but I feel there's a lot of, I don't feel anything. Mm. And it's scary to start feeling things Mm. because there's the risk of not liking it Mm -hmm. but of course there's the benefit that you might like it but Mm. I find that very scary to find things that then I would need to actually participate in an active way and say Mm -hmm. yes or you know you don't have to do anything but you know that I could then say I like that and that frightens me a lot Mm. because then I think you know like you were saying you think six steps ahead and you think what if I've said I liked it and then I start not liking it mm-hmm. and then I've sort of trapped myself? You know, you're sort of thinking, well, of course. 
at all points. You could say, mm. now I don't want to do that, but that's just a learning curve and, and it was surprising to me that it wasn't only just finding out I don't like that, I don't like this, which is really mm. important, but also mm. do I like any of this? What yeah. do I like? Yeah. It makes sense to me. I mean, when we've experienced trauma, the, the body can feel like a really unsafe place to be. So to start to get present to your body and to feel and notice, and that's where you need to be to notice if this, do I like this? Does this give me pleasure? Or is it something I don't like? That, that's new territory. Yeah, because part of survival is not being connected to your body. Yeah, not feeling. Yeah. Not feeling that at all. Yeah. And so the massage, um, well, where this came from, that, that massage sort of story makes total sense to me because there are just normal feelings where you're like, it's just irritating and I really mm -hmm. don't like it. But to actually really like something, like I would say I do not like massages, I don't like people mm -hmm. touching me in general, there are occasions when I, like I massage myself and that feels nice. So even just connecting with that and thinking, well, you know, which bits of it feel nice because there's so much I don't know. Yeah. Mm, I think I can remember having this realisation that it wasn't actually that I didn't like hugging. It was about I, it, I needed to be in control of it. So actually mm -hmm. the sensation of hugging. So when I have hugged friends, they're like, oh my goodness, you're a really good hugger. Like you, it's really firm and it's really, you feel held. And, and I love that feeling back. It's more that I don't want people to think that I'm a hugger because then they might expect something or they might think um, that they can just come and hug me at random and I won't be ready. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's very much uh, um, being, having choice in things which I guess makes sense when you've experienced trauma yeah absolutely having choice creates safety yeah yeah but realizing that actually yeah it's not that your body isn't capable of feeling pleasure like that actually yeah. there are things but they might be different to what all your friends say that mm -hmm. are good or whatever um but that they're there and that I think is um, just reassuring. And yeah, I think that I definitely have been in parts of my life where I've just thought that's ju I just don't feel anything and that's just how I am. And I don't think that anymore actually. I think I've just got to work it out, which is exciting in a way but scary, terrifying mm. too. But I definitely did just think 100%, oh, well, you know, <laughs> That's just how it is and it's taken a long time. Yeah. So have yeah. you found things then do you, like since the group that you do feel like you enjoy or do you feel like it's still a work of? I think it's definitely a, a huge journey but one that I'm happy to be on because before I think it just felt like it was a dead end of no, I'm never going to feel those things because there's ridiculous representations of women you know, having sex that don't relate to me in any way. And so you just think I, there's no bridge to get from me to that. Mm. Whereas now, yeah, I have. I feel like there are things that slowly I'm actually thinking I do actually like that. I do actually, you know, I can like say, yes, I like that, which before, like I said, I feel like it was more like I could say I like it, but I don't really 
know mm. if I do. I don't mm. know. I know when some when I don't like something, but it's to like something as opposed to just tolerate, tolerate it yeah. or just go. I can see you're liking it. So, yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, liking yeah. that it, it like it gives it the other person pleasure yeah. as opposed to actually liking something for yourself. Yeah, especially when they're trying to make you feel yeah. good and you're like, I don't know what to do here. I don't know how to respond because it's not feeling anything. But I don't, you know, that's a terrible yeah. thing to say, isn't it? So that you're stuck in a, you need a pretty good relationship, I think, to be able to say, eh, you know, eh. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know you're trying your heart out, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think um, that, like we were talking before, or you know, we said before that um, you're you're saying that if you actually practice this, then it improves other things in your life. I think that there's part of me that feels a bit because I am I am in a relationship, so I feel a little bit sometimes like. Uh, you know, it's it's a little bit dependent on my partner when I can practice this. And I actually know mm. that it's not. I know it's not, but I don't give it as much um, time in my life when I'm by myself. And I mm. think that that would actually be very important. Yeah. I just haven't really focused on that. But mm-hmm. I do actually think that that would be um, important for me. And mm. um, because there's probably heaps and heaps of stuff like the practices mm. that we did do in the group of even just um, acknowledging my own body and um, that would then have a flow-on effect of you know mm. benefiting me when I am with my partner. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like something else that's really valuable in exploring this resilient edge idea is to maybe have places in your life that aren't necessarily so charged like so difficult or challenging that you can begin to practice and explore this whole idea. What are your thoughts? Do you think that that would be a useful thing? Yeah, so I think I've started to do it by default in just so many different environments because um, just by tuning in to what I'm feeling so I go for a walk in the morning and usually I would just put a podcast in my ears or music or something and walk and be thinking this is good for me this is it's kind of of almost like there's a goal that Mm. I do this because exercise is great and you know it's going to make me healthier and it's going to make me stable and um, everything but then started to really walk in a different way where I go oh my legs are a bit tired like what why are they kind of you know feeling tense or stretched or whatever and then thinking what would help that and so then I'll actually stop and stretch a bit or um, I'll feel like someone's going to jump out of me back at the bushes you know one day I'll just be feel really jumpy and so I'll just think okay like what what is that feeling and I am safe, I'm not actually worried um, in that moment but why does my body feel like that and then I'll just really concentrate on my breath as I'm walking and find that that settles. So Mm -hmm. I think there's been lots of different um, like there ways that I've just done it myself but also different contexts. So 
even like I've started to entertain the idea of massages because <laughs> I hear people talk and like the fact that I'm like, yeah, I've got to a point where my physio can do treatment really um, well and my body's really, she actually noticed the difference and that um, I wasn't so reactive and everything. And so then I start to go, okay, like what could be a next step and are there things where uh, it could involve other people and, um, yeah, yeah, just finding little opportunities, I guess, where you can play that don't have to be um, in a sexual way if that's a partic- particularly mm. difficult or triggering sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. It sounds like what's useful is noticing first what's going on in your body and then pausing at that point and regulating your body using your breath or using because you can't regulate your body and your experience from a headspace. So pausing and and, use, and just playing with that in everyday life gives you yeah. more skillfulness, gives you more awareness. Yeah, and it actually fantastic. helps to settle rather than I used to just use a lot of distraction. Uh-huh. So I used to... Um, you know, if I was jumpy on the walking track, think, okay, just listen to the conversation that the person's having in your ears or, um, you know, I'd go, I'd feel really, um, yeah, stressed and unsettled in the morning. And so I could just go to work and focus on your job and think about something else. But at the end of the day, I'd still feel really tense. Like Mm. it, it wouldn't have settled my body. I could sort of redirect my brain Mm -hmm. but I still um yeah I think live for a long time in that really hyper vigilant mode all Mm -hmm. the time and so this has really helped to go actually address like just settling your body each time you notice that these edges are coming up that that can um yeah just settle you in a way that changes mm-hmm. the everyday stuff mm. yeah I, I agree with that actually I think that um, it's that sort of leaning in as opposed to leaning away you know that when you're feeling panicked or um, even just stressed and things you know like it if, if it's just in your normal everyday life like just noticing because generally I would just yeah like you said just distract away from that or just think that's being silly, you know, you need to be better than that. And mm. and it actually just builds up and builds up and gets worse. So, yeah, I think just leaning in and actually giving it some time. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you know, like my breathing is getting faster or, mm. you know, my heart is racing a bit and then doing something about that physically, like when I was driving here. <laughs> <laughs> and getting stressed getting in traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's right. Breaths. There's so many opportunities if you just yeah. see them as practice opportunities. Yeah. And anything that involves the body, I think. Like I remember I did a um, yoga group that I'd, yeah, I'd, um, well, I'd, I'd done an initial yoga group just at a yoga studio and I'd become aware that trauma-informed yoga existed but um, there was no one available to do it when I wanted to so I just went, no, this will be fine. Like it's just yoga, you'll be right. And I did tell the teacher that 
you know, I didn't want to be touched or corrected or anything. Um, and she was fine with that. And then one week she was sick and there was another teacher step in and I just completely panicked and ran out and never went back uh, for another class there. So I'd kind of had this, oh, you know, on and off thing with yoga. And then I found a, um, it was a trauma-informed yoga group. So I thought I'd have another go because I think that just anything that involves your body moving and paying attention to what your body's doing um, just is an opportunity to practice mm. this stuff. So I went back but found certain poses really challenging and quite triggering and so there was a really good opportunity to try this edges stuff because I realised I actually had choice and could change the position to one that I felt okay and safe in. I didn't have to leave the class. I didn't have to, um, you know, I got quite upset sometimes and but realized that's okay you've got a a place where you do feel safe just keep you know you can always go back to that and by the end I was went for about eight weeks I really found I could do all those different positions that originally my brain just went straight to oh god this doesn't feel okay um and then I went actually it just created, it felt like it created a new way of experiencing mm. my body in a particular position. Fantastic. Yeah. Any last bits you want to add? Like I think something we all felt at the end of the group was just how important it was for people to feel like this knowledge was out there and that they're, like as I start, said in the beginning, just having language for things and knowing other people experience the same stuff was really reassuring. And um, to also know that it was possible to work with it. Mm. Um, so I think for people listening, if they don't have access to something like that, it's important to know that there are so many things you can do yourself and that... You can either, like we've given lots of examples, but um, think about anything where currently, like I think it would be a good way of identifying edges by thinking of things that you avoid because there's some reason that you're avoiding it. Um, and then to, like you say, dip your toe in, just go gently and... Um, yeah, notice mm. your body. Mm. Fantastic. Yeah, I think just to give that um, message of hope, you know, because I feel that, you know, I, I first went to counselling about 20 years ago. So it's been a, a long time and um, just having, there must be other people out there just thinking the same thing, you know, just thinking, oh, I've done as much as I can with counselling and now the rest is up to me and I just have to like, push on through to be that person that I want to be. But actually just hearing that there is a is a gentler way and a way where you can um, go at your own pace and you can you know just heal yourself really but not through sheer willpower just sort of through noticing what your body is already doing it was already trying to heal and it was already trying to tell you 
you know, you're avoiding this or you're moving away from that. And actually, if you do the opposite and you just give attention to the things that your body is telling you, I think that that is a, is a really good start, you know, just to notice what your body's doing because I think the potential is, is huge mm. and you've kind of already had it. You kind of had it. It's just that someone didn't give language to it or yeah. didn't say that, that that very practice is important, you know, that it sort of seems like that, that would be too simple and too ridiculous. Because it's already within you. Yeah. 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 You've got everything you need. You do. Tapping into it. And just having mm-hmm. sort of people that understand that to mention that to you, even just once, really, is hugely and you can go gently. Exciting. You don't yeah. have to, yeah, push hard. Yeah, that yeah. everyone is going to have a different, um, like, pace and everyone's going to get maybe, you know, like, eventually, you, I don't know if you ever get to the point where you're like, right, I can stop now because why would you want to? Yeah, yeah. Why would you want to? Because life is exciting and I think it's, it, it allowed me to see that. Mm-hmm. So thank you both. Thank you for listening to the Brisk podcast series, Embrace. If you enjoyed this episode, please move on to the practice titled Exploring Edges Through Stretching or move on to episode four titled Trigger and Trigger Plans. If you are located in Australia and are looking for sexual violence support, you can contact 1800 RESPECT on 1800 737 732 or Blue Knot on 1300 657 380. You can find Brisk's contact details in the show notes or online.